Hello, I'm Ryan Clater. I am a cartoonist and a university professor who teaches comics. I have a book right now coming out called One Bite at a Time, which you can find at onebiteatatimebook.com. And you are listening and watching to Two Geeks Talking. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. We are joined today by a returning guest. He has been on the show multiple times. It is always a joy to have him on the show because whether he's talking about A Hunter's Tale, whether he's talking about his amazing collection and knowledge of coin-operated pinball machines, or if he's talking about his newest project, Elephant Eater Comics. We are joined by the ever-talented Ryan Clater, comes back on the show on Two Geeks Talking. How are you doing today? Hey, Kurt. It's so good to be back. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, it's great to have you back. You know, whenever you show up on the show, I love talking with you, not only about your amazing projects, but I always love seeing how you change up your style, not only from your, your amazing shirts, but your, your room. It's like you've <laughs> given yourself depth of field of, of everything here. Just one solid paper backdrop <laughs> that I set up. <laughs> no, I, I, we were talking before we started recording, but basically my son and I switched spaces. I was on floor one and he was here in floor basement and we, we swapped spaces so that our new cat would not eat all of my books because I like these things behind me. So uh, anyway, we, we keep cat upstairs, books downstairs. Everybody's happy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you have a purring terror machine that, uh, that you love, I'm sure. <laughs> right. For those that don't know anything about yourself as a creative person, tell us who you are and what you're bringing today to Two Geeks Talking. Well, thank you for asking and having me here. My name is Ryan Clater. I am a comic book artist and a university professor. I teach the comics students studio courses at Michigan State University, and I spearheaded the comic art and graphic novel minor course of study there. We have an interdisciplinary minor between the art and English departments at Michigan State University, and we also have the largest public collection of comic books in the entire universe, anywhere, ever sits in our main library. So uh, we've got a bunch of comic book resources in addition to that on campus, but I'm here today to talk about my own work that I've been doing for the past 20 years. So this book is called One Bite at a Time. It's a hardcover oversized art book. And there's like two main things that I'm really excited about for this book. One is the content and the other is the format. So maybe we can talk about content first, which is essentially 20 years of my work in comics, illustration, and design. So there is everything from my comic books to uh, hired illustrations to my watch designs, my neon designs, my fancy pancakes that people have seen online, and a bunch more. But there's a heavy focus on behind-the-scenes process images to show the steps that were gone through in order to 
arrive at each piece. So it's not just, you know, pretty picture after pretty picture. I've uh, read those art books before and I come away feeling a little empty after looking through those because I always have a lot of questions like, what was this piece used for? Who commissioned you? Was it a personal piece? Was it a rejected submission? Like, what was this thing and when did it come out? So I include a little bit of contextual information, you know, just like a paragraph or so, really light on the text, but really heavy on the process images that led to each piece. That's what I love about, and I remember looking at art history books and, and art brand books, especially for advertising, things like that. You see the final product, and it's almost like a testament to today's society when it comes to social media and always showing your best foot forward. I think you learn more from the process and the failures than, than from the final version, as great as it is, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think as outsiders and, and even as an artist, sometimes I look at work from my heroes and I think, wow, that must have just happened so easily. <laughs> That's rarely the case. So I really wanted to pull back that creative curtain and let people see what it took to, to make each of these pieces. And then I mentioned that second component of this book that I'm also really excited about. So I'm a designer at heart, and I love when people put extra uh, attention to designing the product that surrounds the content within. So this book, as I mentioned, is going to be an oversized 9 by 12 inch hardcover book. And if you take a look at the outside, you'll see, actually, do you mind if I share yeah. some images right Please, now, that, Kurt? That'd be, that'd be great. Cool. I think I've got my screen share set up. All right. So this is the book. On the outside, this is actually going to be a cloth bound book. Wow. So it's not paper bound. This is actual cloth. And in addition to having dual cloth bound cover, it's also a dual foil stamped cover with copper and teal foil stamping on the cover, spine and back cover of the book. It's also going to have a rounded spine, copper gilded text block. So the pages on the outside are going to match that copper foiling on the book itself. It'll have a built-in ribbon bookmark. And there's a bunch of stuff inside the book too that's going to be on the fancy side. <laughs> so here are uh, some quick previews of the page spreads that show my comics, my illustration, my neon designs, you know, and for things like client work, you can see I'm presenting them with several options. And then we choose one and move forward with color options and then choose one and the sign gets fabricated. So you can see the step-by-step -step process that happens throughout here. Awesome. But what I'd really uh, thank you. <laughs> but what I'd really like to highlight are some of these interior formatting anomalies that don't happen in every book. For example, this is a high resolution scan of a piece of my original artwork. And you can see that it's quite high resolution. So you can really get in and see the details of the pencils and the inks and how it was made. But when I showcase this, it's going to have a few die cut holes within it. And a page behind it will have the final colored version. So you can see a before and an after image by turning the page and interacting with it. But you can also see before and after at the same time through these die cut holes. So that's just one of the many formatting intricacies that I'm going to be 
designing into this book, but there's also vellum overlays, gatefold pages, all sorts of different stuff. I'm really throwing everything in the kitchen sink at this book because I wanted it to be a big, special celebration of 20 years of my work. I was just expecting, okay, here's your process and all that, but I was not expecting the die cut. I was not expecting the to be, it's like an interactive book in your hands. I mean, we're so used to seeing that stuff on the screen with flashing images back and forth, but to hold it in your hands and see it, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've, I've really been working on this a long time and thinking about it a whole lot. And I managed to find a printer that I'm working with who I am so happy with because every couple few weeks I'd email them again and say, Hey, I have this crazy idea. Can we do this? And they've never told me no. Like everything I'm asking of them, they said, yes, we can do that. Here's how much it is. You can decide if you want to do it or not. And we've designed an incredible book. Like uh, all of these specialty formatting portions have to do with uh, bolstering the process theme that runs throughout the book. Like I mentioned a vellum page. Well, essentially when I was drawing a piece of original artwork, uh, a pinball machine, <laughs> uh, rewind a little bit. I have a difficult time illustrating interlocking pieces and that sort of breaks my brain. So when I was drawing a pinball machine, you know, there's lots of stacked elements on a pinball machine. So when I was drawing this, I drew everything on the play field and then I had these ramps to draw over top of it. And the only way I could wrap my head around doing that was to throw a piece of tracing paper on top and then draw the ramps on top. So I did that in reality, but when reproducing that in the book, I'm gonna have that high resolution scan of the Bristol and then on top of that will overlay a page of vellum with the actual portions that were drawn on vellum on a piece of vellum page in the book. So you can get a really authentic experience of how these pieces were crafted. The planning of this must have taken a while. I mean, 20 years of illustration and brand work, as well as all of your other avenues and professions that you currently work on and, and do. How did you plan this out? How did this come together? And why is this an important book? That's a great question. In fact, you're reminding me of a conversation I had with my wife <laughs> about five years ago when uh, I was coming up with the idea for this book. It was 2019, and I was touring Coin-Op Carnival, a book that I co-wrote and il fully illustrated with my best bud, Nick Baldridge. It's about coin-operated amusement devices, their history, the people associated with them, and it's fully illustrated. We were touring that book in 2019, and at the tail end of that year, it finally dawned on me my gosh, this was my 15th anniversary of making comics. And I didn't say anything about it because I was so wrapped up in Coin-Op Carnival that year. So at the end of that year, I told myself, okay, I'm going to do something big for my 20th anniversary and started thinking about it and came up with this idea of doing an art book, compiling my work from the past 20 years. And so I was out to dinner with my wife and I said, hey, I've got this great idea. What do you think? And she said, uh, I don't know. Like, why, why are you making a book with your work? You know, it, it's cool. I want to celebrate 20 years, et cetera, et cetera. She's like, nah, 
you're not selling me on it. Like, why is this book being produced? What's important about this book? And at the time, I really didn't have the focus on process that I do now. And I really started digging in my archives to find those little scraps of paper and pencils and inks and colors that led to the final piece. So that was one component. The other component was that when this whole thing is put together, it's a narrative of my entire career. So it sort of relates to some of my early work in autobio where I was talking about my life. Essentially, I'm organizing these pieces in a sequential way. And when laid out, you can see, oh, okay, he's at his beginning stages here and you know, progressing a little bit. And I think as the book moves on, you can see growth as an artist and see a career unfolding. Uh, when I first started doing some of these pieces, I lived in California. I was just getting out of grad school and there was, uh, <laughs> you know, some 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 more amateur pieces in there. And I want to showcase some of those things, like my very early work. Some of my very first books are going to be featured in here. But I think through the course of the 250 some odd pages that are in this book, you're going to be able to see that narrative unfold, that career start to build. And uh, I think that's another really exciting portion of this book. So all that to say, your question uh, reminds me of my conversation with my wife a while back when she really questioned me about the purpose for this book and really made me stop to think about it. And I'm so glad she did because the book is much better for it. We always have to take the advice of our significant other and uh, we'll be happier for it in the long run, I'm sure. I'm happier in the long run too. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you, you've seen your growth and you see your growth in these 250 pages. Is there anything you would have changed about your creative process or yourself if you could go back and do this all over again? Man, I don't have many artistic regrets. There's nothing that I think I would have changed in particular because at the time, I think I was doing the best I could and making the best decisions that I could. I don't know that they always led to extraordinary success, but I think I was making the best decisions at the time that I could. And all along the way, I'm learning. I'm learning about, well, maybe I can pencil this in a particular way, or the advent of digital art comes along and I start incorporating digital pencils into my work. I try out digital inks. I find out that I really don't like digital inking, but I love the editability of digital pencils. So when you're laying out and composing something, you can move things independently of one another, resize elements in conjunction with one another or separate from one another. And then once you have that blueprint, then come in and ink everything. And for me, I've never been able to fully integrate myself into digital inking. I've been inking with a brush pen for so long, I feel like I can get the fidelity of line that I want there. And when I try it on a digital surface, it feels a little too slick to me and a little removed. Uh, I just can't get that like wobbly, organic, hand-drawn line that I want. Uh, so, you know, over the course of these years, you can see processes changing, experimenting, trying new things, abandoning things that don't work. So uh, I hope that this is an interesting artifact and 
uh, inspirational to see all these different pieces and hopefully an educational element too. I see this process focused throughout the book as kind of an educational arm of Ryan Clater. You know, I'm I'm a university professor, and so I really enjoy teaching and helping people realize what they want to make too. So uh, I really hope that this process portion of the book helps people in their own artistic careers. Did you find a process when you were experimenting with your art that turned out better than you expected? Oh, um, yeah. I, I think when I had a stint experimenting with watercolors, mm-hmm. I was really happy with how some of those pieces turned out. There's a piece that I illustrated for my mom for her 70th birthday. It's my my dad and her at a, a table and they're having tea. My mom likes to have tea. And so there's this little tower of things and of uh, you know little sandwiches and stuff. And uh, so I did that in watercolor and I was really pleased with how that turned out. And I ended up making a number of other watercolor pieces too. The the only withhold I have about that is that it's really permanent. Once you lay down a color, if you make a mistake, it's kind of there. <laughs> and the other thing is it, it takes um, you know a considerable amount of time to do, at least for me, uh, to do a watercolor like that. So part of me feels like, boy, it would really be neat to do a watercolor comic, but comics take a lot of time as it is. And uh, I don't know, I, I think I need that control and that editability when I'm working on a project that that's that is that complex when I'm doing a single illustration I feel like I can you know throw fate to the wind and you know do my best and if it doesn't work out it's just a single picture but for an entire book uh, that's daunting for me so whenever I see pieces that are are like that you know watercolor comics I'm I'm really taken by them Obviously, you have a Kickstarter campaign currently ongoing. You have such a variety of products available. I mean, 250 pages is nothing to sneeze at, honestly. For the value that you're getting with this book, for not only from an artistic process, but from a, a learnability and educational perspective, for those that are just starting in, in their artwork or maybe those that never thought that they could do neon signs as an artist, uh, as a professional. What are you trying to provide to the masses besides the book? I've got a number of different rewards available for folks, starting with a digital version of the book. So I've mentioned this book and all the bells and whistles associated with it is going to be $50, which is actually 17% off the cover price. And I'm giving you free shipping as well. When the book comes out in the direct market, it's going to be $59.95 and you'll have some you know, taxes and potentially shipping on top of that. So I'm really trying to make this a killer deal for the Kickstarter backers who helped me get this going initially. If that's a little steep for you, I do have a digital version at 25 bucks. And beyond the physical book, I'm also offering a couple of things. Uh, one is to sign the book. Another is something that I've never done before is a commemorative patch. I just had these made and they came out immaculately. I'm so excited about these. In fact, I've already ironed it onto my own backpack. So uh, I've got quite a few more of these that I am offering in the campaign at this print patch and signature tier. And this print that you see here is actually a raised copper foil 
print. So just like the cover of the book is copper foiled, this is going to be copper foiled too with a little bit of a raised uh, feel to it. So it'll be nice and textural. That's going to be a limited edition signed print as well. And beyond that, I'm also really excited about this next tier, the book club tier. So in here, you're going to get an invite only book discussion with me, where I will give a presentation about the book, how it came to be, show you some behind the scenes photographs of the making of the book, and also that print, the patch, the sign book, but only the folks who back this tier are going to be able to come into this book club. So you'll be able to ask questions, I'll give answers at the end, and we'll just have a great time. And I also have a retailer tier where I'm offering five books. Every single one of them are signed. Every single one of them is 50% off cover price. And I'm even offering free shipping in the US. So I didn't want to forget about the retailers. If they're interested in supporting the book and having it in their store, I'm given a pretty hefty discount and free US shipping. The campaign is is going to do well. I'm sure it's go doing well, I should say, as it is right now here. What other projects do you have in the works? I know this is a huge undertaking, and I know you're probably just really focused on this, but I know you always have something kind of in the in the pipe there uh, for your upcoming projects. What else do you have going on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I am just laser focused on this right now, but you're right. My mind does wander into the future. I think I talked with you on a prior uh, Two Geeks Talking episode about Coin-Op Carnival and the second issue. So we had some setbacks with that. And after this art book wraps and I fulfill that, I'm going to start working on a couple of projects with my co-writer from Coin-Op Carnival. The first of which is going to be a scratch build electromechanical arcade game. So that means my buddy, Nick Baldridge, who is a technical genius, is going to build an arcade game that we conceived of together. And then I am going to make the art package for the entire thing. Now, this is an electromechanical inspired arcade game, which means there's no television screens. The way that you interact with this is it's a big back glass and the animated elements are going to be backlit elements. So basically it's masked. It looks like a, a static image at first, but then when a light lights up behind it, then an element will appear on the screen behind it. And then that light will go off and the next one will go on and you can sort of animate things around there. Um, and so we're making this two player game called Robo Frenzy, where there is the world has been taken over by robots and there's this big bad octopus type robot whose robotic tentacles are coming down and different sides of the uh, back glass. And so you've got two players one on each side that can descend and grab a uh, a, a tool, uh, a gear, and bring that back up to the other side to start building your own robot to fight the robot invasion. <laughs> and so the more times you can come down, grab a... Uh, grab a unit, come back up and build your robot. You get more points for each time you do that. Each time you get uh, grabbed by these octopus arms, you're going to pause and you cannot move your character for a number of seconds. So meanwhile, the other character is going down and back up again. And the whole game is timed. So once the time uh, game is over, you see who got the most points and who wins. So we're working on that. I'm going to be doing art duties. I've 
have some elements of the back glass created already, but I also need to create the cabinet artwork as well. And we need to get this thing manufactured. So that's going to be the first project we work on. And then after that, we're going to jump back into CoinOp Carnival 2. We have a few pages of that already done, but um, we've been promising the follow-up issue of that for quite some time. And we want to make that a priority after we finish Robo Frenzy. Awesome. You just have so much amazing stuff going on. Like we could talk for hours, literally about anything and everything. You're just such a joy to to chat with. And I really do have to get out to Michigan State University, honestly, and, and just see the, the history of comics there and maybe get some footage and, and interview some of your yourself. And of course, some of your, your faculty and students as well, too. Uh, something I'll try to plan in the coming year. <laughs> We'd love to have you out there. And when you do come out, let me know. I'll be sure to try to schedule a tour of the special collections library so that you can see the back stacks, you know, walk through Nirvana <laughs> and yeah, find some more folks that you could chat with and interview if you want. I'd be happy to do that. So let me know. I'm happy to chat. Appreciate it. Yeah, actually, one thing I'd like to highlight that sort of uh, falls to the wayside is in this project, I'm also donating to an organization called One Tree Planted that is a reforestation partner with me for this project. So for every person that backs the campaign, we are uh, we are planting one tree together. This is sort of a, a little ways down on the Kickstarter campaign, so you can investigate this if you like. But I just wanted to highlight, highlight this because the page is long, and I want to make sure that this gets some attention too. So every backer for the campaign will mean one more tree is planted in this world. So uh, I want to send some thanks out to One Tree Planted, my reforestation partner for this crowdfunding campaign. Uh, I'm really excited to be a part of this with them. You've used them in the past campaigns as well, too. And how has that worked out for you? Really great. It's In fact, uh, I'm nobody special. Anybody can do this. And I would encourage you to go to OneTreePlanted.org and investigate it for yourself for any project, any creative project that you might like to do too. So if you're making a book or you know putting on a play, there's I'm sure there's a million ways you can think of to partner with a reforestation organization like this. Uh, they made it super easy, and essentially all it is is a dollar donated means one tree planted. And you don't even have to be a creative person to make that happen. You can simply donate to onetreeplanted.org if you feel uh, moved to do so and the same properties apply. I'm really happy to start giving back. I feel like I've made, made lots of things from lots of trees and it's about time I give back and plant some trees for the things that I'm making. Well, that's a wonderful cause to support, obviously, for sure. And, you know, as long as we could do something like this and you know, we'll live a little longer in this world. Right, right. Well, Ryan, I do hate to say it, but that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. As always, I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always such a pleasure to be here, Kurt. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, anytime, anytime. And I definitely want to have you and, of course, your uh, amazing collaborator uh, with the with with Carnival, Carnival <laughs> to come. But I'd like to have you both on to talk about that project once that gets going, or once you're in the final stages of it. I'd love to pick both of your brains on that for sure. That'd be great. Nick's a great guy to talk to as well. Before I let you go, 
Where can we find you? How can we support you? Of course, where is this amazing campaign and when does it end? Yeah, so this campaign, you can find it at onebiteatatimebook.com. That's onebiteatatimebook.com. That'll take you straight to the Kickstarter page. And it's running throughout the month of November 2023. So if you're interested in checking out this book, seeing what there is to, uh, to offer, you can see that at onebiteatatimebook.com. Well, like I said, that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. You can, of course, find this interview and a thousand plus others on our website, tgtmedia.com or twogeekstalking.com. That's T-W-O, not the number two. You can, of course, go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash tgtmedia. The podcast is back after 12 or so years. You can find that at twogeekstalking.podbean.com or just search for Two Geeks Talking wherever you get your podcasts. And as I say every week, everyone has a story to tell. It's up to me to help bring that out. Thanks for listening and watching on to Geek Stalking. Thanks for doing all these interviews, Kurt. Mm-hmm.